0: Here it is.
1: From deep inside your audio device of choice. Well, ladies and gentlemen, here we all are, both of us, to uh, spend another hour together. And um, it begins, the hour that is, with uh, yet another new feature of this broadcast, News of the Week Ahead. Now I'm not, I don't I'm no swami I don't wear a jeweled turban but news of the week ahead just seems stuff seems so likely to uh, be about to happen and we uh, start off with this news item of the near future we will uh, learn in a few days that Ginny Thomas the wife of U.S. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas did not, has not applied in years for her own driver's license. Her driver's license has been provided by real estate billionaire Harlan Crow, major supporter financially of her husband, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Um, It's not because she can't apply for it herself or she doesn't qualify herself or some other legalistic reason it's purely as they will explain for the ease news of the future ladies and gentlemen newly copyrighted feature of hello welcome to the show
2: She didn't see me Behind window B Explaining patiently How she needs to see Six forms of ID Oh, tell me now
1: From New Orleans, Louisiana, home of the uh, French Quarter Festival, among the other events that, if you like crowds, you might want to be in. I'm Harry Shearer. Welcome you to this edition of the show. I, uh, I get my own driver's license, by the way. No, uh, no intermediary needed. And now, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for me to read the trades for you, breaking open a news story you probably didn't even know existed. That is to say, the Dylan Mulvaney controversy surrounding a beer, Bud Light, made by A.B. InBev. It's from Advertising Age. I'll read it for you. At Anheuser-Busch InBev, it's the name of the company, broke its silence on the Dylan Mulvaney controversy this week with a letter from the U.S. CEO of the company, Brendan Whitworth, that said the company, quote, never intended to be part of a discussion that divides people, unquote. His statement, titled, Our Responsibility to America, unquote, does not mention... Mulvaney or Bud Light, instead focusing on the company's place in society. I know we're all worried about Bud Light's place in society. Well, here we go. The Brewers Bud Light brand had been the topic of intense scrutiny since the beginning of this month when the transgender influencer, Dylan Mulvaney, participated in a Bud Light promotion on Instagram to mark her, his, her, her, his, her, First full year of womanhood. Quote, We're honored to be part of the fabric of this country. Anheuser-Busch employs more than 18,000 people, and our independent distributors employ an additional 47,000 valued colleagues. And then uh, he lists all the folks involved in the company. The statement was shared on the company's website. A portion was included in an Instagram post. That drew a range of reactions from people on both sides of the issue, illustrating the no-win situation brands can find themselves in when caught in the middle of culture wars. Mulvaney's initial post struck a nerve in the cultural divide, leading to protests such as Kid Rock shooting Bud Light packages with an assault rifle. That'll lure and inventions such as conservative dad's ultra-right beer, which is attempting to win business, from former Bud Light drinkers. Alyssa Heinerscheid, I just read him, VP of Marketing for AB InBev and head of the Bud Light brand, was dragged into the controversy when remarks she made about the brand becoming more inclusive and less quote, fratty unquote, were widely reported following the Mulvaney backlash. The brand on Thursday got an assist from Donald Trump Jr., 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 who called on conservatives to end the boycott against the Brewer. Quote, I'm not for destroying an American, an iconic company for something like this, he said on his show, triggered with Don Jr., unquote. In fact, AB InBev is a Belgian multinational brewing company based in Leuven, Belgium. So much for an iconic American company. Don's under-triggered, I guess. But Bud Light's distributors have also been concerned, according to a recap of a webinar this week, with beer experts Mike Mazzoni and Bump Williams. I said beer experts. The panelists agreed the incident would see Bud Light lose more customers than it gained. And according to Mazzoni, if Bud Light volumes weaken, distributors could lose faith in the company's marketing judgment. That's what... Evercore analyst Robert Ottenstein wrote. In a report published this week, Bloomberg suggested the situation has led to Molson Coors outperforming AB InBev in the stock market. Bud Light had not made comment on Mulvaney before its CEO's non-comment. Aside from a three-sentence statement defending the use of influencers to, quote, authentically connect, unquote
0: with audiences
1: it's all about authenticity (laughs) no it isn't it's all about authenticity isn't it the point becomes obvious Read the traits for you. Copyrighted feature. This broadcast. And now news of uh, of the land of four thousand princes, our freedom-loving friends in Saudi Arabia. Guess who met with um, the uh, kind ahead of Saudi Arabia? Prince Mohammed bin Salman this week. It's a guy who once promised a bipartisan tsunami against Saudi Arabia in the wake of the 2018 assassination of Washington Post columnist Jamal Khashoggi. Senator Lindsey Graham, South Carolina, Republican. He held this week what he called a very productive meeting with, uh, Prince Bonesaw this week, quote, I just had a very productive, candid meeting with the Saudi prince and his senior leadership team. Graham tweeted on Tuesday, the opportunity to enhance the U.S.-Saudi relationship is real, and the reforms going on in Saudi Arabia are equally real, unquote. Lindsay, an official Twitter account linked to the Saudi government, also shared images of the meeting. The uh, two leaders reviewed the friendly relations between Saudi Arabia and the United States. Yeah, kill one of us every once in a while just to remind us that you're around. I think that's the deal. Just, you know, hey, we're still here. Boom. After the meeting Tuesday, Graham also said he looks forward to working with the administration and congressional Republicans and Democrats to see if we can take the U.S.-Saudi relationship to the next level which means, I guess, killing more journalists of ours, killing fewer, which would be then? He added, he thanked Mohammed, Mohammed Bonesaw, for Saudi Arabia. Oh, here we go. Here we go now. He added, he thanked Mohammed Bonesaw for Saudi Arabia's purchase of, quote, $37 billion worth of Boeing 787s, which are made in South Carolina. State represented by Lindsey Graham. This is for the new Saudi airline, Fly Saw. Investments like this are game changers, he said. In his tweets, he did not mention the killing of Khashoggi. He had said he would never meet with uh, Saudi Arabians as long as uh, MBS, the uh, Crown Prince, was running the place. Graham, once a staunch defender of Saudi Arabia in Congress a long time ago, became critical of MBS and his actions. Just days after Khashoggi's death, Graham said if Saudi Arabia were found responsible, it would be unacceptable there'd be a bipartisan tsunami against Saudi Arabia here if they did in fact do this, which the CIA, among other reliable sources said they did that he did he accused the the crown prince or the crown prince on uh, in october of 2018 of having khashoggi killed telling fox news that quote this guy has got to go this guy they had this guy murdered in the consulate in turkey expect me to ignore it i feel used and abused He said, still referring to um, relations with Saudi Arabia, not his private life, um, referring really to his previous advocacy for Saudi Arabia as a senator. I was on the floor every time defending Saudi Arabia because they're a good ally. But he said in the same interview he would not be going back to Saudi Arabia, quote, as long as this guy is in charge. And in November of that year, 2018, Graham demanded that sanctions on Saudi Arabia be included in a measure to fund the government by December of that year. He wrote that Mohammed is, quote, beyond toxic. And when we lose our moral voice, we lose our strongest asset. Asset Shmasat, I say. It is not in our national security interest to look the other way when it comes to the brutal murder of Mr. Jamal Khashoggi. Graham said in a statement then. But if they're going to buy $37 billion of our planes, call me. No, he didn't say that, of course. While Saudi Arabia is a strategic ally, the behavior of the crown prince in multiple ways has shown disrespect for the relationship and made him, in my view, beyond toxic. Unquote. Lindsey Graham. According to The Washington Post, a spokeswoman for Graham did not immediately respond to a request for comment on this week's meeting. Graham is not the first U.S. leader, by the way, to meet with Mohammed since Khashoggi's death. Our very own President Biden drew condemnation last July when he met with the crown prince, and you may remember the photo of him giving him a fist bump. He said at the time that he told Mohammed in a straightforward and direct way that the killing was unacceptable and that he made it, quote, clear what I thought of it at the time and what I think of it now, unquote. The uh, crown prince, who's the de de facto ruler of Saudi Arabia, basically said he was not personally responsible for it. Biden said, I indicated that I thought he was. Human uh, rights advocates, surprisingly not pleased. By all of this, you'd think they'd uh, be impressed by that thirty-seven million dollar billion million billion. What's the difference? Um, purchase of uh, Boeing aircraft. Uh, they said that the Biden statement at the time was a clear reversal of his promise to make Saudi Arabia a pariah. For its human rights abuses, you know, pariah isn't uh, pariahism. Isn't what it's cracked up to be, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't last nearly as long as you'd think. And now, another copyrighted feature coming your way. It's called. News of the Olympic Movement. Produced by Jim Everson III. The Australian Olympic Commission, the AOC, not to be confused with the lady in New York, has come into fire from former Olympians over plans to remove Australian competitors from the Athletes' Village shortly after the conclusion of their events at next year's Paris Games. The divisive move from the AOC according to Yahoo! Sport Australia is aimed at cracking down on the party culture within the Athletes' Village in order to make it fairer for those who are still competing in the second week of the Games. Australia enjoyed one of its most successful Olympic campaigns in the history of the Tokyo Games, which were significantly affected by the global pandemic. The party atmosphere at the Athletes' Village in Tokyo is more subdued than usual, and the AOC says it's keen to recreate that environment again in Paris without the need for the pandemic, uh, to try to maximize the Australian team's performance. Officials are set to introduce strict new rules that would require Aussie athletes to vacate the village within 48 hours of their event finishing. It means many of Australia's swim team members, they typically compete in the first week of the Games, will be forced to leave the village early and won't be able to stay and cheer on their compatriots with booze. Athletes will be allowed to stay in Paris, but it would come at their own expense and it would inevitably be a costly exercise during the world's biggest sporting event. An Aussie swimming great, Gian Romney, is highly critical of the move and says it diminishes the Olympic experience. For Australia's athletes, I think it's a real shame, he said, because for most people it's a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Because alcohol is banned in the village Any parties all take place outside the village, but there's already plenty of noise and distraction because people are coming and going all the time. But that's all part of the Olympic experience, and it's actually inspiring to see people walk around the village who've won medals. It gives everyone a lift. A lot of the best memories I have are of getting dressed up and going and supporting my teammates, unquote. The chief executive of the Olympic Committee of Australia, Matt Carroll, defended the plan said much of Australia's success in Tokyo was tied to the more low-key atmosphere at the athletes' village. He said reducing the number of athletes within the village was particularly beneficial to those competing in the second week, with fewer distractions, enabling them to prepare more effectively for their events. Quote, the learnings from Tokyo were absolutely positive that for the athletes who were competing in the second week, reducing the load on the village by athletes who have finished, was positive for both their preparation and their health. We want all of the athletes to be able to perform at their best. The athletes could take a holiday, speaking of the athletes who've done their stuff during the first week. They're free to do that. This is about performance. It's not for the wowzers. We're actually doing it for the athletes who are still competing. Well, Australia's Olympic chiefs are quick to point to Tokyo as a means of justifying the controversial move It doesn't tell the whole story. Sydney 2000 was still the country's most successful Olympic Games of all time, with no such restrictions placed on competitors. It's a movement, and we all need one every day. So, you know, you really don't need to have the fun. Just get this freaking medal, won't you? And go the hell home. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of the godly. Though many churches in the Archdiocese of Baltimore, Maryland, have been home to clergy accused of child sexual abuse, St. Mark's Church had more abusive priests assigned to it over the years than any other. Twelve of the uh, fellows between 1964 and 2000, that's, according to the Baltimore Banner, a remarkable number of accused priests for one church. That's according to national and local experts. Experts on what again? Of those, at least four are known to have harmed children during their time at St. Mark's the uh, remainder assaulted children at other parishes before or after they served at uh, this particular church.
0: No, it's
1: called, I believe, spreading it around. We have to worry that they abused at St. Mark's as well, even if we don't know that they have, said uh, president of bishopaccountability.org a group that researches and tracks cases of alleged abuse by clergy and religious leaders across the nation. Father Francis Ernst, for example, was accused of raping a young teenage boy at St. Augustine in Elkridge, near Baltimore, Baltimore, during the time he served at St. Mark's. The painful story of St. Mark's is part of a 456-page report on child sexual abuse, in the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Baltimore. I'm trying to say it the way they do. That was released last week by the Maryland Office of the Attorney General. Like it's almost serious or something. It details how more than 100 clergy abused at least 600 children over an 80-year period. It accuses church leadership of covering up, quote, pervasive and persistent abuse by priests, unquote, and other Catholic leaders. It's not just for priests anymore. Speculation about why this cluster grew includes a theory that abusers requested assignments there under other perpetrators they believed were willing to protect their secrets, and also that the large size of the congregation and the sheer number of priests who served it meant a higher percentage would be abusers. church opened in 1889, abusing since 1889. As bad as the cluster of abuse at St. Mark's was, the parish was just one of several Catholic institutions at the epicenter of an even larger concentration of abuse cases in southwest Baltimore Con- County and Baltimore City. Within a roughly four-mile radius was Archbishop Keogh High School, which closed and merged with another school in 1988, and uh, a couple of other locations, all of which were assigned abusive priests over the years. One priest at Keogh High School, Joseph Maskell, raped and sexually abused at least 30 girls. St. Clement had six abusers. Our Lady of Victory had five, among the highest tallies of any parish across the uh, region. Quote, church documents revealed with disturbing clarity that the archdiocese was more concerned with uh, selling Boeing's, no, with avoiding scandal and negative publicity than it was with protecting children, said the report. And again and again, signs of the abuse were obvious, but church officials failed to stop it or to warn parishioners when they found abuse, actions that left their children at risk for decades. St. Mark's is remarkable not only for the number of abusers who were there, particularly in the 70s and 80s, but also because some of the abusers were overseen by priests they considered mentors who were also abusers. And using um, 15th century papal decrees, European colonial powers captured and claimed indigenous land, in the Americas, and elsewhere, according to the Washington Post. Now in a significant move centuries later, the Vatican last week rejected the contentious doctrine of discovery, addressing a long-standing demand led by indigenous groups in Canada. The Church acknowledged in a statement that these papal bulls, that's what they call them, did not adequately reflect... uh, reflect the equal dignity and rights of indigenous peoples, and said the doctrine is not part of the teaching of the Catholic Church. Indigenous groups have argued, according to the Washington Post, that European explorers used the principle of discovery, based on the presumed superiority of European Christians, to legally and morally justify the subjugation and exploitation of indigenous communities and to rule over them. The Vatican Statement also recognized that acts of violence were committed against indigenous communities by colonial settlers and asked for forgiveness for the terrible effects of the assimilation policy and the pain they experienced. The doctrine of discovery was previously rejected by several faith communities in the United States and Canada. News of the Godly, ladies and gentlemen. It is a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. I don't think we play them twice. Stay tuned, won't you? And now, the originally scheduled recording. (laughs) Oh, it's cute, isn't it? Trademarked Fast Motown Fade. For your listening pleasure, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Harry Shearer. This is the Show. And uh, now I'm going to be saying the word Fox a lot in the next few minutes. A lot of uh, things about Fox and Fox people, Foxes and Foxettes. The judge overseeing Dominion Voting Systems lawsuit against Fox News. I know it's a... Uh, Seems like a contradiction in terms, to say Fox News. He, the judge said this week he was imposing a sanction on the network, would very likely start an investigation into whether Fox's legal team had deliberately withheld evidence in the case, which is coming to trial this week, I believe. He scolded Fox's lawyers for not being straightforward, straightforward with him. The rebuke came after lawyers for Dominion, which is suing for defamation, revealed a number of instances, according to the New York Times, in which Fox's lawyers had not turned over evidence in a timely manner. That's a big oops. That evidence included recordings of the Fox News host Maria Pateroma talking with former Trump's lawyers, Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani, Giuliani, yeah, Giuliani, Giuliani, which Demenden had said had been turned over only a week ago in imposing the sanction on Fox Judge Eric Davis, Delaware Superior Court, ruled that if Dominion had to take additional depositions or redo any, Fox would have to do everything they can to make the person available, and it will be at a cost to Fox. Well, that's unquoting the judge. Too bad Fox doesn't have any money. He also said he would very likely appoint a special master, an outside lawyer, to investigate Fox's handling of discovery of documents and the question of whether Fox had inappropriately withheld details about the scoop of Rupert Murdoch's role. Since the suit was filed, Fox had argued Murdoch and Fox Corporation, the parent company of Fox News, should not be part of the case because Murdoch, the chair, and other senior executives had nothing to do with running Fox News. Well, that's believable. But in the past few days, Fox disclosed to Dominion that Murdoch was a corporate officer at Fox News. Well, what do you know? Dom- Dominion, a voting technology company, accused Fox and some of the network's executives and hosts of smearing its reputation by li- linking it to a nonex- non-existent conspiracy to vig- rig voting machines in the 2020 election. Fox Fox's defense was that it was just reporting on newsworthy allegations from Donald Trump, who was then the president. Jury selection has already started. The judge told Fox's lawyers to retain all internal communications starting from March 20th of this year that are related to Murdoch's role at Fox News. Uh, That was the date the uh, lawyers for Fox submitted a letter to the judge asking that Murdoch and other top executives not be forced to testify at the trial in person. The judge said he would weigh whether any additional sanctions should be placed on Fox. He said he was very concerned that there had been misrepresentations to the court. Quote, this is very serious, Judge Davis said. Not as serious, maybe equally serious, maybe more serious. The Guardian this week reported that Rupert Murdoch divorced. Well, first of all, yeah, we'll do that first. Divorced his fourth wife, Jerry Hall. By email, telling her quote, we have certainly had some good times, but I've much to do. She was apparently waiting to meet her husband at their mansion in Oxfordshire in June of last year, when she received the unexpected correspondence. Jerry, sadly I've decided to call an end to our marriage. My New York lawyer will be contacting yours immediately. Unquote. Gabriel Sherman, a journalist who spent decades writing about Murdoch, he must be tired. He has seen a copy of the email sent to Hall. The couple were divorced within months and publicly insisted they remained good friends. But friends of Hall, who were quoted in the article in Vanity Fair by Sherman, said in reality she was left, quote, devastated, mad, and humiliated, Unquote, after caring for Murdoch, through a series of health care scares, and isolating with him isolating with him throughout COVID. On the first day of Lent, in February, Hall told friends she made an effigy of Murdoch, tied dental floss around its neck, and burned it on the grill. According to Sherman, the couple's divorce settlement has a clause banning Hall from providing Plot suggestions to the writers of the TV show *Succession*, which is reported to be heavily influenced by the Murdoch family's internal dynamics. The um, this all comes in the wake of a an abortive next marriage for Rupert. It was um, a lady named Smith. Uh, they were going to be married. Later this spring, Rupert had um, been quoted as saying that this would be the last one marriage, I guess. And uh, so he was assuming it would be a good one because it's got to last. He's 92. Um, And then within days, that impending marriage was called off by him. No, no, no dental floss on the grill for her it's um you know it's always sad when these things happen ladies and gentlemen and i i acknowledge that it's obvious but it's it's just remarkable how the marriage to jerry hall former mate of um Mick Jagger by the way uh how that Ended when it began. So very well.
3: Well, they call me the honky-tonk-foggy. But this is getting ready to blow. I'm lighting up a major stogie. I'm rocking my world nice and slow. I got me a rock and roll woman Then I had a cut of hair I know I look glum, but she's under my thumb Wild horses couldn't end this affair like a little red rooster when we'll we walk down the aisle arm in arm we'll honeymoon in Claridges. when it comes to marriages the fourth time is the charm Refined sugar I know you're bad for me Fine sugar, one I take with tea.
1: And now, ladies and gentlemen, the apologies of the week. Oh, we're still talking about Fox. Fox News formally apologized to the judge in the Dominion defamation case, taking responsibility for the, quote, misunderstanding, unquote, regarding Rupert Murdoch's role at the network that led the judge to launch that investigation into potential legal uh, misconduct by Fox. In the letter, which was dated Friday, Fox attorney Blake Warbacher said the right-wing network, quote, never intended to omit information, unquote, and that its inaccurate representations about Murdoch's formal role at Fox News were, quote, not meant to mislead the court or evade the question. We understand the court's concerns, apologize, and are committed to clear and full communication with the court moving forward, unquote, Rorabaka. He added that we should have provided to the court a complete and prompt response to the court's questions, Concerning the identities of all of Fox's news officers, we apologize and never intended to avoid responding to a question from the court. Unquote. Kind of a full apology. You bet. Dateline, Florence County, South Carolina, fess up when you mess up, that's the message from a sheriff in South Carolina who said his office executed a search warrant for drugs at the wrong home that never happens florence county sheriff t t t j joy posted the apology on facebook he said that uh, early monday morning investigators with the sheriff's office narcotics bureau assisted by the florence county swat team executed a narcotics search warrant on a home on east market street in Timminsville. He said no narcotics were located on the premises. No arrests were made. My philosophy is simple, Joyce said. Fess up when you mess up. As long as human beings are involved, mistakes will happen even though we do everything we can to minimize them. To me, the important thing is how you deal with your mistakes. We admit them and try to learn from them. I personally called Ms. McKithen and apologized for our action this morning. I assured her that the matter is under internal review. And appropriate action will be taken to make sure nothing like this occurs in the future, unquote. And she can now go rebuild her home in peace. An Arlington, Texas, Republican who faced backlash after voting against a resolution celebrating the Muslim holy month of Ramadan, says he uh, has since met with Arlington, Texas, mayor and members of the Muslim community and apologized. State Representative Tony Tinderholt, I just write uh, I just read him last month posted a statement on Twitter explaining his vote against the resolution. He said that, as a combat veteran, he served with many translators who were quote Muslims and good people. I can also attest that Ramadan was routinely the most violent period during every deployment. Texas and America were founded on Christian principles, and my faith as a Christian prevents me from celebrating Ramadan. Some criticized Tinderholt. His tweet with the statement was deleted from Twitter as of this past week. The lawmaker said he'd met with the mayor and members of the local community and apologized. I would like to thank Mayor Ross and leaders from the local Muslim community for meeting with me to discuss recent comments that I made that were interpreted as offensive to them and their religion. He says... I was able to apologize for the misunderstanding and talk with them. We are all aware of how truly important the freedom of religion is in this amazing country in the great state of Texas. They were generous and kind during our meeting. And again, I would like to extend my sincerest apologies to the Muslim community. Thank you for meeting with me, unquote. Dayline Kennerick, Washington, Desert Hills Middle School has investigated the video of students and staff competing to lick a marshmallow cream off of plexiglass. The school did not find the assembly as a quote an appropriate activity, unquote. Multiple students were reported feeling uncomfortable as a result of the competition. This activity does not have district approval and will never be repeated in the future, said the superintendent. The investigation found the intent of the activity was innocent and not ill intended, and there's no reason to suggest organizers or participants use the activity for grooming. Kennewick School District says having the activity occurred showed a lack of sound discernment and good judgment. The uh, principal of the school said, uh, I would like to apologize for the activity that took place during the recent assembly. As building principal, I take ownership for the events that occur in my school. I recognize the impact that this situation had on our school community. I'm committed to the safety of our students and staff and will ensure that all future activities meet the highest professional standards and adhere to district policy. Again, I apologize that this incident occurred and for the negativity brought to the Desert Hills community of Kennewick, Washington. The district says it's taking action to correct the issue, but due to confidentiality, no further information will be released. That's all we'll ever know. A January 6th rioter seen in chaotic video assaulting and pinning a Metropolitan Police Department officer in a doorway. Remember that image? He was sentenced Friday to seven years and six months in prison. Patrick McCoy was at the front of the mob that trapped D.C. officer Daniel Hodges. The judge described the assault as, quote, among the most dangerous and violent clashes with police, and that McCoy's actions amounted to, quote, some of the most egregious crimes committed on that day. The officer told the court the trauma he experienced in that doorway continues to haunt him, and that all Americans were victims of McCoy's assault. Wearing a baggy orange short-sleeved jumpsuit and addressing the judge in a somber tone, McCoy said what he did on January 6th was, quote, the greatest embarrassment of my life. Embarrassment. Quote, I will be a felon, unworthy of the trust and rights I once enjoyed. He said, he apologized to the police and to his own family for the embarrassment, not the ease. Former Maryland Attorney General Brian Frosch said he regrets how long it took his office to finalize the investigation of sexual abuse by clergy in Balmer. We talked about this earlier. He apologized to victims for the grueling wait. His apology came during his first interview since a redacted version of that uh, report seen by many as a long-overdue validation of victims' experiences, was released early this month. I wish, I certainly wish, it could have been completed earlier, the former Democratic Attorney General said during a roundtable discussion about the church report. I wish I'd had more people put on it in order to get it done faster, and I regret the fact that it took as long as it did." Unquote. Hey, everything's late. But wait, there's more. Deadline Antioch, California. Antioch Police Chief Stephen Ford this week condemned racist and homophobic texts circulated among reportedly dozens of Antioch police officers. They became public earlier this month as part of investigations by the FBI and the Contra Costa County District Attorney's Office, according to local TV station in the Bay Area, KPIX. I condemn in the strongest possible terms the racially abhorrent content and incomprehensible behavior being attributed to members of the Antioch Police Department in media reports, unquote, the police chief Stephen Ford. I have taken immediate action and continue to ensure a thorough investigation by An external independent entity is conducted, and the community is not exposed to any individuals under question from this reporting, he said. At least eight Antioch officers were suspended in the past year during the uh, probe into civil rights violations and other police misconduct. The uh, mayor, Lamar Thorpe, said last week several officers were suspended because of the alleged text messages. Thorpe himself got into a shouting match with a resident during a city council meeting earlier this week. He said the number of officers involved was up to 24 during an interview with the TV station. Thorpe doubled down on his words and actions from the uh, city council meeting. He said on on behalf of our organization, I apologize to the Antioch community for the hurt caused by this hateful speech. I promise to hold accountable the officers expressing racist or bigoted beliefs, biased insensitivity, and those boasting about harming members of the community. Imagine that. And finally, from Hip Hop DX. 5EO Foreign is looking to make things right with a videographer from South Africa who let him know that he still hasn't been paid for work he did for the New York rapper when he was in this country. The exchange went down on Twitter this week after a tweet the videographer made about the situation managed to get traction. Quote, I've been quiet and chasing for months. After submitting work for 5EO Foreign when he came to South Africa, he began, they booked me to cover his weekend here. I did that. They loved the videos. Please help me, R.T., until they pay my rack. This I won't let slide. Unquote. Once 5 caught wind, he retreated the message with a reply, promising to make things right and square up the outstanding bill. Damn, you never got paid. A duff wasn't aware you never got paid, he replied. was a lot of things not being handled right back in those days. But things more on point now, not even sure if I use these vids. But I'ma make sure you get paid. I apologize. Things seemingly ended from there smooth, with five zero four and telling the man to message him to send the uh, invoice. Um, it's a rocky month for the Brooklyn rapper. He missed his scheduled performance at uh, a festival in California said it was health uh, complications. He took to Twitter's after his schedule set to apologize, noting that missing a show had never happened in his career. My first time missing a show, I feel so crazy about it, but my body dealing with some real issues. Just keep me in your prayers. And blue heart emoji. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And just a moment of news of the warm. Flash droughts have become more frequent due to human-caused climate change. This trend is predicted to accelerate in a warmer future, according to research published this week involving the University of Southampton. The research published in Science shows that flash droughts, which start and develop rapidly, are becoming the new normal for droughts, making forecasting and preparing for their impact more guilty (laughs) and more difficult. What was I thinking of? uh, News for the Warm, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this week's edition of Show. the Show. program returns next week, same time on these radio stations, and at a time of your choosing, if you're listening on the audio device of your choice. And it would be just like... Rupert finding a new sweetie if you'd agree to join with me then. Would you? Alrighty, thank you very much. Uh-huh. Tip of the low chapeau to the San Diego desk. Pam Halstead and Thomas Walsh here at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program, your chance to get cause I talk t-shirts, and a playlist of the music heard here, as well as lots of stuff to read and watch. All at harrysharer.com. And hard enough as it is to believe, I'm still on Twitter, at The Harry Shearer. I'll be turning the lights off when needed. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions originates through the facilities of WWN on New Orleans. flagship station, of the Change is Easy radio network. So long from the Crescent City.